Praise the Lord. All right, join me in a brief word of prayer, and we'll get right into the word of God this morning. Heavenly Father, uh, I just want to say thank you, Lord. You've ministered to us in such a a wonderful way, Lord. Uh, I believe that we're all encouraged. We're all strengthened, Lord, and and, uh, and Lord, if we came in here a little down, Father God, I think we are uh, more filled with faith and hope right now, Lord. Thank you for uh, showing yourself strong on the behalf of the Turner family, uh, more specifically Annette, Lord. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for the witness and the testimony that she is to any and everyone around her, Lord. And, and, and Lord, I don't know if that doctor's a believer or not, but But, Lord, as he gives witness to what you're doing in her body, Father God, and he is amazed by that, Lord, I pray that that, if he doesn't know you, uh, I pray, Father God, that he comes to know you through through that encounter uh, with the Turner family, Lord, and he puts his faith and trust in you, Lord. And uh, so, Lord, we just pray that you would continue to bless us through your word, uh, that we might bear much fruit to your glory in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, last week, uh, we talked about the, the schemes of the devil. And, uh, I, I I hope and trust that you guys were, uh, inspired and, and blessed, um, by that message. And, uh, while I'm going to take a little bit of a different emphasis, we're going to talk this week about how to resist and overcome the devil's schemes. How to resist and overcome the devil's schemes. Don't worry about it, uh, multimedia booth back here. Uh, I didn't give you all these verses, but it's okay. People should remember them from last week. Remember, I want you to have that general context of what Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 told us last week. Remember, after it's been a chapter of, of talking about the great people of faith who walk with God They have now become part of a great cloud of witnesses, cheering us on from heaven as we we grab the baton and we move forward in the things of God. And there are two things in the first two verses of Hebrews chapter 12, right, that there is a journey, a path marked out for us by God. And it says, as we are to travel that path, we are to be looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And I told you, big picture objective of Satan is to distract us and divert our attention away from the path that God has marked out for us and to keep us from looking to Jesus. He doesn't care if you're running a race as long as you're not running the race that God has marked out for you. He don't mind you looking to somebody. He just doesn't want Jesus to be that somebody. And we live in a world where the temptation is not just easy sins to spot, like adultery and fornication and pornography and, 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 and drunkenness and all those other things. 
we better be able to discern those other sins that we don't give as much weight to, uh, sins that pertain to the character and the attitude that we display that are not emblematic of Jesus' character and attitude. That is not us following in the example of our Lord and Savior. We think a lot of times because we're right on an issue that we have the right to act towards people any way we want to act. That's a lie from hell. And if we're going to do it in his name, we better do it the way he wants us to do it. If we're going to talk it in his name, we better be talking what he said. Because we claim to be representing him. So Satan lost the battle for your soul when you gave your heart to Jesus, but he still continues his mission to keep you from glorifying God. And he can do that by you, by tempting you to have attitudes of, of hate, not being able to love those who he loved so much he died for, justifying sinful attitudes and, and, and lack of integrity. This message is to the church. I'm not, I, 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 I'm not going to blast the world because the world don't know him. You and I do. And we're accountable to God. We have to walk in the truth that we know. Amen? And the last verse, well, I won't reference it, but Paul was concerned over those who were under his care. And he was like, look, I betrothed you to one Lord, Jesus. But you've gone a little bit astray because you began to listen to other voices. They introduced you to a different Jesus than we introduced you to. They told you a different gospel than what we shared with you. They, 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 they lowered the standard of what it means to walk with Christ, and you accepted it readily enough. You, you, you are two-timing the Lord. It's time for you to regain your fidelity unto the Lord. Someone told you that because you're angry, that because you feel taken advantage of, because you feel like your voice ain't being heard and, 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 and that you can't trust the government and, all this, and other leaders and so forth, that you have license to behave in whatever way you feel. But that's not true. Because our citizenship is not in this world. We're citizens of heaven. And we have a responsibility before him regardless of what other people do, to honor him in the way that we talk, think, walk, and treat one another. Are you hearing me? So to that end, we talked about his schemes and how he, we used Genesis chapter 3, gleaned everything that we could from that to show you how the devil works. And I would encourage you to listen to that message if you have not heard it. Uh, either on our Facebook live cast or our podcast. But that gets us into today. And I will start with the passage that is often referenced when talking about resisting the schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6 verse 10. I'll only go to verse 13. Because there is a certain point I want to make 
This in conjunction with James chapter 4, I feel that God really wants me to impress upon you this morning. But it starts saying, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. There is a, you know, this grabs us because it speaks of strength. It speaks of standing. It speaks of resistance. It speaks of of engaging in the battle, being in the arena, and, and, and being able to stand whatever the enemy comes against us. And who doesn't want to feel strong? Who doesn't want to feel not just up to the task, but more than up to the task? Who doesn't want to be victorious? But sometimes in the, in the desire to feel strong, we, we get things a little mixed up. And we rely on a strength that's insufficient. We rely on a carnal strength. We rely on earthly strength. When this says, it doesn't just say be strong for the Lord. It says be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Words like stand and and withstand go hand in hand with words like resist that you find in the book of James we'll be going to here just shortly. I believe that our teachings on the armor of God and standing against the devil and resisting the devil often miss the mark because on too few occasions an all too important step is absent from the teaching. That all too important missing step is submission to God. Oh, we, we want to skip right to the being strong. But what's often missing is first the submission to God. James 4 verses 5 through 10 say this. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And here's where I want you to circle. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Not enough emphasis is paid on the submission to God. And if we're not fully submitted to God in our efforts to resist, then, then, 
then whatever strength we have isn't the strength of the Lord. Whatever armor we have on, uh, uh, at the very least, at best, you're not fully armored. You don't have the full armor of God on. And, and at worst, whatever armor you got will do you zero good against Satan and his forces. I hope you're hearing that today. Because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of organizations, there's a lot of entities that, 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 that want to lure us into putting on different armor. We can, you know, if, if we're not careful, we'll think the armor of, of, of party affiliation ideologies, squabbles and fights and, and all these other things, we'll think that we can do some things that might be able to put circumstances in a favorable situation for us. We'll grasp at things to make us feel a little more comfortable, to make us feel a little more peaceful to make us feel a little more hopeful about the future and tomorrow. And, and, and the promise of it, just like the serpent in the wilderness, will come and will turn God's command into a question. It's like, did God's word say? It might make you compromise your interpretation of God's word by, by saying, you know, God's word says that, but does that really apply to me? And does that really apply here? Remember how Satan operates. He'll take the thing that is most suitable for him to pull off the deception mission against you, just like he did with Eve. He could have chosen any animal, but he chose a serpent because it was crafty. If you're going to pull off deception, you better have a weapon that's crafty to do it with. Okay, the armor of God must be put on in full submission to God. It's the first thing I want you to, when we're going, how are you going to resist and overcome the enemy? First, being in submission to God. I, I, I didn't just say declaring him Lord and Savior. We, we can honor him with our lips and our heart be far from him. We can... We can say prayers and think because we end the prayer by saying in Jesus' name, we can think that we're praying in Jesus' name. When the prayer itself has got nothing to do with Jesus' name because it contradicts who he is. It contradicts his word of truth. It contradicts his character. We think just because we want it doesn't mean God wants it for us. Doesn't mean it's God's will. Doesn't mean it's, God's, uh, it's God honoring. And so we can't, we can't allow ourselves to be pulled into these earthly level fights where we get into moral relativism, where we get to thinking that because we believe we're right and we believe the other side is wrong, that, that, that that's enough for us to feel like we're standing 
on solid ground. No, 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 no. You don't live for them. You don't, you don't live for anything other than for the Lord. Your life belongs to him. Are you hearing me? Your life belongs to him. So the standard that we live by is the one imposed by him. Otherwise, what we're showing the world isn't him. It's, we're showing him flesh. We're showing him us and claiming that he endorses that which he does not, right? And I think, you know, a preaching like this isn't likely to fill the house. You know, this isn't what people run and go tell people, say, oh, my goodness, this dude's going to make you feel awesome. You come up here, and this guy is going to really fire you up. I tell you what, though, I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about the arming you with the truth of God's word. Because it is important that you let your light so shine among men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, there, if there is no light in the people of God out in the world that, that God has called us to walk and engage with, then what is there for people to gravitate towards and, and recognize that they're walking in darkness and, darkness and there, is, there is more to life than what they've experienced? So, so we're going to have to be able to and be willing to and just be doggedly determined to be dispensers of the life of God wherever we're at. The love of God, the forgiveness of God. Let the fruit of the Spirit of God just be emanating from us so that those that God is already dealing with can see that tree. They can see the fruit of life that's on that tree and partake of it. Because that, that's his heart, Right? That's his heart. Little messy here, but again, I want to reemphasize the armor of God that we read about in Ephesians 6. We're not going to get into all the elements of it, but it says put on the whole armor. I just want to emphasize to you that an absolute requirement for putting on that armor is doing it in submission. You cannot put on the armor of God apart from submission. And so it is vitally important that we wade through the din of all that's out there, all the agendas and all the other objectives, and we're not saying the devil isn't working, but but we need to remind ourselves that the devil that's working is already a defeated foe. You know, we're not having to try and win a victory over him. The victory has already been won by Jesus. And it's important that we remember that because we need to, we, we, we need to walk in that truth. We have a journey. We have a path that's marked out for us. And along that path that there is people blind. They have no idea. Some of them aren't far from that path, but they can't see the path because the devil has blinded them. They're walking in the darkness of their sin. There is liberty for them in Christ. There's freedom. 
but they don't know it. Unless those who already have tasted and seen that the Lord is good tells them. They don't know what a walk with the Lord Jesus Christ means or looks like unless they see us do it. Right? And so we have the ability to walk in our generation like Jesus walked when he walked the face of the earth. We have the ability and we actually have the mantle, the command of God to walk in the way that his apostles walked when we read about in Acts and the epistles. And he said, make disciples. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. And I tell you what, it's hard to teach obedience to something that we ourselves aren't walking in. The armor of God must be put on in full submission to God. If we are not in full submission to God, then we are not really armored up. You can talk strong and you can act strong, but you can't be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might unless you're walking in complete submission to him. It's an oxymoron. I know... Uh, however you want a, a conundrum because basically you mean I gotta I gotta be weak to be strong God didn't ask me to be strong in the sense of me being strong in my own might or power he's just like hey look let me be your strength fully rely on me Don't, don't feel like you have to make things happen for God. Walk with him in faith. Trust him. Be fully submitted to him and trust the results to God. Now, there's a lot of standing for God going on in our country. But sadly, it's too often not being done in genuine submission to God. What does standing in submission to God look like? I want you to go to Acts chapter 16. I'm not using any remote scriptures that you haven't heard before. This is a common story. Uh, If you've uh, been a Christian for any length of time, you've read the story of Paul and Silas, but I want to delve into this just a little bit and and uh, and glean from it what I believe God wants us to glean from it today. You all know uh, Paul cast a, a demon out of a woman that was making money for these merchants, and these merchants, seeing that their moneymaker had been taken from them, decided that something had to be done about these Christians. Now, when you read this, when I read this story and what happens to Paul and Silas, I want you to compare it to what we have to go through today 
Because I want you to know, in Acts, when the church flourished, the people that reached out to the Gentiles, the people that were spreading the gospel under the Roman Empire, a lot of them got executed. And you would think that people seeing what happens to those people who spread the gospel would at least have some serious pause about wanting to get mixed up with that. And yet people were getting saved. Hundreds, dozens, hundreds, thousands coming to the Lord because what they saw and experienced was real. The gospel is so important. Let's see what Paul and Silas had to endure here. And, and, and I can tell you, here in America at least, whatever our hardships are, they ain't what these guys were feeling and what these guys experienced. So it, it, it doesn't matter what your hardships are. God's grace is sufficient. It doesn't matter what your hardships are. God can be, God can and will be your strength. You can be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. The crowd joined, verse 22, the crowd joined in attacking them. And the magistrates, look at it, they tore the, gar the outer garments off of Paul and Silas and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. And they weren't really concerned with their safety. They to keep them securely, make sure these guys don't slip away. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I want you to really point. We all know that they were singing and praying hymns to God, praying and singing hymns to God, but this wasn't something they were doing under their breath. This wasn't something they were doing silent. They were praising and worshiping God loudly enough that every prisoner in the jail heard them giving praise to God. They had just been railroaded into jail. They had been beaten mercilessly and suffered the indignity of having their garments stripped off before they were beaten. And now they're shackled in the innermost part of the prison. And yet here it is in midnight, back still pained and bleeding, back still wounded, the pain racking through their bodies. Uh, 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 they had to be feeling like, what do we do? All we did was serve God. Uh, 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 all we did was do what, what the Lord commanded us to do. And yet, for some reason, God allowed this to be done to us. I could, if they had that attitude, I could understand it. But it doesn't say that. It says that around midnight, they started praising God. They started singing hymns. They put it on a, a, a worship concert in the prison. But not only that, they were praying and singing hymns. I, I used to think that they were praying, God, get these people. Get us out of here and lay the smack down on these people. Because I'm mad and they deserve every bit of wrath that you can, that you can give them. 
But how they responded when God moved tells me that their prayers were of a different nature. They tell me that, that their prayers focused on honoring and ex- God being exalted and honored through this situation somehow. That their prayers were, were, were thinking outside of themselves and, and, and praying for those in their midst, those who didn't know the Lord, whether they be prisoners or the jailer. They're praying God somehow use this to exalt your name among those who don't know you. And so I want to encourage us to have that attitude. Uh, Don't let the circumstances take us around by a leash and affect our ability to have faith in God. Our faith is based on the truth of his word, not the circumstances. We walk by faith, not by sight. But going on. About midnight, they were praying and singing hymns, praying out loud, singing hymns to God out loud, and the prisoners were listening to them. It didn't just say so loudly that the prisoners heard. The prisoners were listening to them pray to God, to them give praise to God, knowing what happened to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Now, if they had been thinking, if they had been praying, God, get us out of here, they'd have got up and ran out of there as soon as they could. But they stayed. And the prisoners who listened to them as they prayed and sang praises to God, didn't go anywhere either. Man did not have the strength or the power to make that happen. Only God could make all those prisoners stay put when it appeared that God provided a way for them all to run and get away. But the point I want to make in this story about Paul and Silas is, see, you can tell that they put on their armor in full submission to God. See, when we get all armored up, that doesn't mean we're going to avoid getting smacked in the mouth by life. It doesn't mean we're going to get to avoid persecution, hardships, trials. It means none of that. If we, if we are expecting that, if we're wanting that, then we're not armored up in submission to God. We're wanting God to give us what we want. But Paul and Silas were in complete submission to God. Every whack across the back with whatever, with rod or with with a rod or whatever weapon that was used, every wound inflicted upon them, every indignity that they suffered at the hands of others, being falsely jailed, 
all of those things, they endured it in full submission to God. God, I just hope you can use this in some way. God, uh, uh, even like the song said, even if I don't see it, I know you're working. Even if I don't feel it, I know you're working. You never stop working, right? And so, so if I can sing that during a worship service on Sunday, I can sing it in my circumstance on Monday. Okay? If I can sing that when all is well, then I can sing that and walk it out when all ain't so well. Right? That's where the rubber meets the road. And so... We can talk about being armored up and everything, but I, I don't want us to have that false sense of if we're armored up, there's nothing that can happen to us. And I don't want us to get the attitude that, hey, you know, because I'm armored up, you know, because I'm armored up, I can do whatever. And get an over sense of self-confidence that comes from what we think we're capable of rather than us realizing that we're nothing apart from him, from the Lord our God. And that whatever strength we have, whatever strength we should be walking in should be his strength. We need to be strong in him. Not strong with my mouth. Not strong with my passions or my attitudes. Not strong with my arguments, but strong in him. And we'll, and the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. I skipped over to 29. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord and you will be saved. Him and his entire family got saved. And in verse 34, it ends with saying about the jailer, he rejoiced along with his entire household that they had believed in God. And, you know, that's what really matters to God. Christy and I were talking about the movie War Room. And I've used that even uh, talking to guys that I'm mentoring to sometimes. But uh, Priscilla Schreier, the one who, was, who played the, the starring role in that movie, was having hard times in her marriage, and she was fighting. She was being strong, not wanting to get rolled over. And the old lady came and mentored her. And she gave her no breaks, man. <laughs> Gave her no breaks. But this old lady basically asked her pointed questions. She said, do you? She said, does God love your husband? She said, we both know he does. She said, do you? And she said, there's love there. just buried under a lot of frustration and anger. And she, you know, she talked about her husband's shortcomings and everything, and she said that, uh, you know, she talked about God having grace for her husband. And she was like, whoa, he doesn't deserve grace. <laughs> Wait a minute. He might deserve God's love. He doesn't deserve grace. 
And the woman asked her, do you deserve grace? And she was like, you have an uncanny ability of backing me into a corner and making me squirm. But she asked her a real point. See, it, it's, see, she was judging her husband according to her judgment rather than the Lord's. And because she was going by her own judgments, right, she was not actually walking with the Lord. She wasn't walking in submission to the Lord. She was just as much in rebellion to God as her husband was. But she didn't see it because she was looking at her husband's actions compared to her. I may not be perfect, but I'm not that. And because I'm not that, hey, I'm in a, I'm in a better place with God. And we got to be careful about that because that attitude is not a humble attitude. It's a prideful attitude. And God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And so that old, that, that old lady really helped her learn to fight the good fight, to fight the right way. The way she was fighting was going to lead to the very thing she was hoping to avoid. But she had to submit herself to God. And in her submission to God, God dealt with her husband including him being found out with some uh, uh, illegal practices that he was doing that was under the table that his bosses didn't know about. It, it contributed to him having great success. God even exposed that. And when her husband was going to cheat on her, she got into that prayer closet that that lady uh, uh, told her. She, said she, she introduced her earlier to her closet, which was her war room. Prayers were posted on the wall, all over the walls of her closet. That's where she went to do battle. She took everything to God. She took him at his word. I'm going to be strong in the power of his might. I, I really believe God's word when he says he'll fight my battles. And so when she got word that her husband was at a restaurant with another woman and she kind of, she knew what that really uh, represented, she got into her war room. And right at the moment they had decided that they were going to hook up after dinner, her husband got sick inexplicably. Just blew it up. And then that started a chain of events that just rocked his world. And instead of fighting him all the time, she endeavored to just be what God called her to be in, in, in attitude and in behavior and in, in conduct and everything, so much so that it brought her husband under conviction. Why are you regarding me and esteeming me? Why are you not fighting? I just told you I lost my job. Why? It used to be any other, a few weeks ago, you would have been all over me. Now you're so understanding, so filled with grace and peace. And, 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 it, and it led to a moment where he ended up repenting. And uh, it, was a, it was a beautiful thing. If you haven't seen that movie, War Room, I would encourage you to and grab a box of tissues and, 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 and watch it. Uh, it'll be a real blessing to you. 
But that's what happens when we are in submission to God. We can do, there are so many great things that we can do in the name of the Lord, but if we're not humble before him, walking in submission to him, letting him direct us, lead us, tell us what to do and not to do, what to say, what not to say. Keeping our hearts and our character and attitudes in check according to what we know the word of God says, then we're really not representing him well. Don't let the devil tempt you into believing that because society's conditioning condition is worsening that we've got to do something other than what he's already told us to do. We have to remind ourselves what has God commissioned us to do and are we is our gaze on the path marked out for us? And are we looking to Jesus? Did, what did he exemplify? What did he model for us? And are we walking in that way? Okay. So that armor of God has to be put on in submission. Uh, according to First Peter 5, Verses 8 to 11, we need to be sober-minded and watchful. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. Remember, when you see that resist or stand, just let it be an understanding that you first must be in surrender in submission to your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not, not just for fire insurance, not just to have your name written in the land book of life, but as his ambassador here in this earth. We ought to be in this world, but not of it. We're not to be conformed to the ways of this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. Sober-minded, not freaked out by whatever the next issue somebody wants you to freak out about. Not so worried and anxious that we can't even go to God and hear God and walk in faith. Because we're worried about the next shoe that's going to drop. We need to be sober-minded and be watchful. Not so, not so much watchful for all the enemies at the gate and, and predators and this and that and the other. You know what? Look into Jesus. God, as I look out in this community, We're looking. I see needs out there. Lord, highlight. Let, 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 let my senses not be dull to the problems in our community right now, the needs that people have. Let, me, let my senses not be dull to the people out there in our community who don't know you. 
Open my eyes to what you're doing. Open my eyes to those who aren't seen. That you want to make them know that they are seen. That they are loved by you. Take us to those individuals that we don't even know and say, you know, I saw you over here and the Lord just led me over here to let you know that he loves you. And see where that goes from there. You know, so we need to be watchful. Where are the sick among us? Where are the needy among us? Where are the the ones walking in darkness among us, Lord, and just open our eyes as to how we might engage them in a way that leads them to encountering you. Second Timothy 2. Another points out another thing. Uh, in my notes, I put learn to rightly handle the word of truth. Remind them, he's talking to young Pastor Timothy, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words. There's a lot of quarreling going on in our communities throughout the country. Heck, there's a lot of quarreling that goes on within the body of Christ. How do you think we ended up with all these denominations? That's just not a good reflection. Behind, uh, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. You know, we're going to have to be mindful of how we conduct ourselves. Not... We, let's not be too quick to argue. How many arguments have been had to the ruination of the hearers? See, I don't think we're sensitive enough to the hearers and the impact that it has on the hearers. We get so caught up in the face-to-face the -face confrontation and the battle the collateral damage doesn't even, it doesn't even cross our minds. And we need to count the cost. Is this argument really going to serve to exalt the Lord in this environment? Or is it going to actually serve to hinder the hearers in some way? Is it going to prop up and further the gospel? Is the gospel message going to be shared through this argument? Or is something else going to be propped up in its place? Is the fact that Jesus is Lord and died on the cross for our sins and rose again for our justification? Is, is, is salvation through Christ and Christ alone by grace through faith? Is that message getting out there for the hearers or are they only getting babbling, disagreements, 
arguments that lead nowhere. Even if one side wins, what does it do in the grand scheme of things as far as God's kingdom is concerned? What soul does it lead to Christ? Does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. We're going to need to be able to rightly handle, or depending on your translation, rightly divide the word of truth. Remember how craftily the serpent took the word of truth that God gave to Adam and Eve and he very, in a very slick manner changed her perspective. Just for a brief moment, hindered her ability to rightly divide the word of truth. And it led to choices that was based on tainted perspective that led to sin, that led to death. And that still happens today. That's, his, that's still his objective. But if we're submitted to God, And we're sober-minded. We don't give in to fear and anxiety and worry. We realize that, that, that his, his faithfulness to us is our shield. That come what will, come what may, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He is my shield. He is my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. The devil wants, to, wants you to focus your attention on anything but Jesus but, uh, and anything but the truth of God's word. But the more we devour God's word, the more we get into God's word, not looking for something to prove my point or to prove me right in an argument, but, but, but we're going into God's word because we want to draw near to him. We want to grow in the knowledge of him. We want to know his word so we can be like uh, the psalmist that said, thy word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So we're going into God's word because we want to know the truth. And we want to be subject to the truth. And we want to be sanctified in the truth. It's not about them. It's about us. And letting God do the work that he wants to do in us. He's faithful to complete the work that he's begun in us. Are you hearing me? But avoid irreverent babble. 
<laughs> My goodness, can, can you watch any TV, any news then? But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. You know, the, the, you really, we really, as, as the church of God, we really need to delve into this and uh, get ourselves into where we're rightly dividing the word of God, not allowing ourselves to engage in irreverent babble. As it says here in God's word, for it leads people into more and more ungodliness. In their talk, here's the thing about that, and we've seen this happen in recent years. Their talk will spread like gangrene. There's a cancer. There is a, a disease that spreads through that stuff. And we've seen the after effects of that. We're living the effects of that out. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Well, we know Philetus and Hymenaeus, they swerved from the truth. And there's different aspects of the truth that we can swerve from. They said the resurrection already happened. We missed it. And it affected the faith of some. But we may not be doing that to, uh, exactly, but whenever we swerve from the truth, it hurts both believers and non-believers. And so before we say, thus saith the Lord, we better make sure that it is completely in line with what God has revealed in his word. Consistent with who he has represented himself to be. I believe we're too cavalier with thus saith the Lord. But uh, because of the potential damage, we need to make sure that if we say God said, that God actually said. All right? So I just want to wind down here. Um, I will make the only uh, armor part I will reference in Ephesians 6, verses 17 and 18. It just says, take the helmet of salvation, skip past that, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and praying at all times in the Spirit. Again, we need to be able to rightly divide God's word of truth. We need to know God's word. I don't want you to just, hey, let me be careful how I say this. I want you to be disciplined in your reading of God's word. Read his word daily. But I want you to get into the practice of meditating on the word that you read. And what I mean with that, it's like, you know what? I just spent a half an hour in God's word. I want you to do it in prayer and, and being prayerful. God, speak to me to your word. Uh, lead me to the word that you would have me, uh, that you want to speak to me. Uh, I, I think if you, if you get a, a, a Bible reading program going, that's a good way to start that discipline. But you just still need to be open to him and asking God to speak to you and challenge you in whatever way he knows you need to be challenged.
And when you read it, make it a point. You know, read it more than once. Read it multiple times. And consider what you've read throughout the day. I know you got jobs, you got school, uh, you got uh, families and so forth and so on. You probably can't do it every waking moment of the day, but you can do it. It can be woven in there throughout the day. Giving thought to what God's word said in your daily devotional. And how that might apply to you and be implemented into your life. Because James says we need to be doers of his word, right? And so, uh, pretty much every one of the armor pieces, whether it's the helmet of salvation, the feet shot, the preparation of the gospel, the belt of truth, uh, the breast—you know—the breastplate of righteousness, the shield—you know—except for the shield of faith, all of them really no, in the shield of faith, all of it. All of it is rooted in God's word. Every bit of it. What righteousness is, what faith is, what salvation is, what truth is, the gospel is. It's all rooted in the word. So that's why I wanted to emphasize getting into God's word, the sword of the spirit and praying at all times in the spirit. Um, Just inviting Holy Spirit to guide you in your prayer life. Whether you have, uh, whether you've been baptized in the spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues or not, you know, uh, if you haven't, you know, I, I just put that out there. That's, that's in the word. That's what we believe. You know, that's, that's what God has given us to help us in our walk with the Lord. And that is available to you. And, and we have teaching on that, and we'd be happy to talk to you on that. But even as you are praying, you need to be praying that the Holy Spirit impresses upon you those things you need to pray about and how you need to pray. Surrender to God. Surrender your prayer life to the Lord. And, and I will just end, no uh, expounding needed. I will end in Romans 12, 12, which says, and I'll ask you to stand. Romans 12, 12 says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. So I would challenge you in that. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. There is so, we could spend weeks on how we can resist and overcome the schemes of the devil. Um, I feel like this is what, one of the main things God wanted me to emphasize is the importance of submission. Your resistance of the devil will be ineffective apart from submission to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would convict us, Father, wherever we are not submitted to you. 
Oh, Lord, we've submitted to you as far as our salvation is concerned. Lord, we know that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We, uh, we know that our eternal destiny is secure in you, and there's nothing that anyone can do, including the devil himself. And we thank you for the security, the blessed assurance that we have in you. But, Lord, as it pertains to us being disciples of yours, as we walk through life in this generation that you have birthed us in, Lord, in your prayer in John 17, you, you, you know, you said that we would, we are to be in the world, but not of it. So, Lord, we have no choice but to be in this world. But we are not to be subject to the schemes of the devil. We are not to be subject to the whims of our carnal nature. The Son, Christ Jesus, has set us free. And we're no longer in bondage to sin. So we have the ability to yield or submit our members to you. The ability to yield or submit our minds, our thought life to you. The ability to yield and submit our emotions to you. Ability to yield our circumstances to you. So, Lord, I pray that you convict us to quit striving. Quit striving in our own strength. Quit striving according to our own understanding. And to just submit to you fully, genuinely surrender to you like Paul and Silas did. Even in the hurt, even in the trial. And teach us how to stand against the schemes of the enemy and resist him out of our submission to you. For as we learn to do that, then you will be glorified through us. You will be exalted through us. And who knows how many people within our spheres of influence will approach us like the jailer approached Paul and Silas under deep conviction because they cannot deny that they've seen God move. They will come asking, what must I do to be saved? I pray, Father God, that we all experience that. And we pray above all that you are exalted and glorified in us and through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I